0: With me in my
1: foul life,
0: what's up, Waterfowl Nation? Welcome back to the Foul Life Podcast, the 2021 Wildfowl Magazine Giant Gear Issue Podcast Series. I hope y'all are loving the new gear issue. My co host, Skip Knowles, and his crew absolutely knocked it out of the park again from the cover photo and design the articles the instruction the know-how and then you get to the gear all of the gear we're gear nuts waterfowl hunters duck and goose hunters alike we love our gear some would consider us hoarders i would bet that our other co- our other guest today chris cifrio him or somebody in his family will end up on the A&E hit show Hoarders. Um, if you go to Chris's house, you got to step over duck calls to get to the kitchen. And then when you get to the kitchen, you got to move duck calls to get to his favorite food, the butter or the mayonnaise. So when we're talking about Chris Cifrio and his passion for duck calls, he's got two of them. Chris can build a duck call, he can design a duck call, he can absolutely run a duck call, and he can hunt with a duck call. So everything duck calls is what we're going to talk about today. This gear issue section is labeled calls. Skip Knowles, do you love duck and goose calls or what, my man?
1: Oh, uh, I love them a little bit more than my wife would appreciate, for sure. And uh, of course, you've got a kid, you know how they are about them. They just love them. Each of my kids has their own lanyard and um when i'm really mad at my wife i let him blow a predator call
0: but see a lot of a lot of people tell me that when i blow a duck call it reminds them of a predator call and a lot of times coyotes do come in instead of ducks
1: you know zinky told me uh, once a million years ago he showed me how to do a mallard hen in distress and uh I wonder if you guys could take that one i don't really remember it but it's just no. it's a duck that's squawking more i guess um but he he'd called uh, on slow days around riparian areas and the duck marsh and stuff he'd called critters and coyotes and stuff doing the, good stuff.
0: the reason i was teasing chris a little bit at the beginning of this skip is because i always thought i sounded okay on a duck call i would go all these places and film the foul life and i'm calling a bunch and Ducks are cooperating or the geese are cooperating. And then he heard me blow a duck call and he said one of the worst he's ever heard. So um, I haven't been able to live up to his expectations as a duck caller so that's why we bring him on here to educate people on duck calls, how to operate duck calls. And it's the time of the year that we're all practicing. A lot of guys and girls, we got to go out in our garages or in our trucks. I mean, I've had police officers look at me funny when I have my duck call in my mouth in my truck. I think they might think it's something else, you know, something that you might see at a Woodstock concert or something, maybe. But Chris Cifrio, welcome to the show. I know that you are a, an unbelievable specimen. The joke about the mayonnaise was just joking. My brother, how are
2: you? Oh, doing good, man. Doing good. Yeah. How's everything in Arkansas? What's that? Just buying time to the season starts, you know? Are you ready for it? Not really, no. <laughs> Why not? we for some cool weather. That's the main thing. It's, it's hot now. It's hot. Finally got too. hot this week. How hot is it in Arkansas? Well, actually, today we we have a cool off today, which is low, I think, tonight, 61. Tomorrow is probably about around 90, but it was hovering around 100 degrees for the past two weeks.
0: Damn. We had a lot of 100-degree days here in Tahoe, Reno area. What is your outlook right now as a native Arkansas? And what is your outlook on the season for 21-22? Well, you
2: know, Considering the hatch and everything, everybody says the hatch is down, but I don't know. We've had good water over here, had good springtime. The ducks got out of here. The water came off. The ducks got out of here. Uh, I think, you know, I'm optimistic. I think it's going to be a great season. I think we hadn't had this many cool fronts at this, you know, during the springtime and in the summertime. And we probably had about four or five cool fronts to come through during the summertime. And so I think that helps out. And I remember back in, oh, 2014 was probably the last really, really jam up year. And, uh, you know, we had about the same kind of climate that was going on. And so I'm hoping that this year is going to be extremely uh, different than last, put it that way.
0: Yeah, we were talking to Tony Vandemore the other day and he said he saw his first groups of green uh, blue wings already had a little 59 degree low up in Missouri. And he said the next morning he stepped out and saw his first couple groups already. So could be a good sign, you know, for the teal to be there and these cold fronts that keep coming through, hopefully up North cooperates. We get some good fronts up there because last year, the ducks and geese didn't have a whole lot of pressure on them up north of the border in Canada. We just found out Americans can go back up there with the vaccination. So, We'll see what happens. It's going to be a different kind of season. I'm optimistic too. I'm fired up about it. That's what the gear issue of Wildfowl Magazine says, right? It's the coming of the age. It's that time of year where we're getting through the dog days of summer, and it gives us something to hang on to um, until opening day comes. That opening day is different for a lot of people now. It's teal season and in a couple days ago mentioned the early goose season up in places like Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota. But man, you talk about anticipation and a season where guys and girls are going to get out and start traveling again, maybe going north of the border visiting their favorite state or just hunting as hard as they can. A lot of new people got involved in hunting last year. It's the time for duck calls, goose calls to come out, practice sessions going on. I know Max Prairie Wings is getting ready to have their fall fest. Rogers had theirs last weekend a lot of a lot of big time summer events going on at the retailers right now calling contests going on calling is probably the part that draws us to duck hunting the most now i want to ask skip that i know chris loves duck calling i know that's what he loves about duck calling the most you know i've heard him say that it's the vocalizations the vocabulary the communication skip is that something that you're just thrive on of seeing these birds react to a call, whether duck or goose?
1: Oh man. You know, more and more guys are talking about the 800 pound gorilla in the room is, Mallards have been pressured so many places now. Sometimes so many times you're better off not calling. We should probably bring that up. Maybe you guys can help me with, uh, with that a little bit, but that's absolutely the case, man. Everyone loves calling ducks. And, um, i I've, I've been there, you know, with uh, so many friends who were former competition callers, none of them were winners that I know of by chance. But they were all stage callers, and they were the first to land you. That's what they love to do: is to tease you about how bad you are. My buddy Mike Miller, he, he broke a lot of hearts at Rogers back when they had their calling contest. And his favorite line to me was, "Here, here, let me pitch that call for you." And he grabbed my call. And I'm like, "Oh, it needs to be Tony. Pitch it off in the weeds, you know." <laughs> And I remember I finally got to have a Keith Allen with you. I was under a tree and we had all these mallards come in and Chad wouldn't let us shoot and we're filming. Don't worry guys it's going to be one of those days and of course it wasn't. We didn't get any birds. One lone hen came in behind me and I'm with the great Keith Allen and I opened up with a quack. I didn't even see it and uh, he's like you he just flared the only duck we've seen in two hours. I'm like, <laughs> so so it's addictive and it's fun but it can also be intimidating. I'd love, I'd love you guys. We talked to a lot last year about uh, double reeds being kind of a crutch and single reads being uh, where it's at if you really want to learn the art. Um, I was hoping we could do something today. You guys could do something really welcoming in terms of telling people how to get going and duck calling. What's it, What are some good calls? Jargon calls are really easy to blow. They're wonderful. Um, I don't know. What are you telling all these newcomers in the sport as far as getting going duck calling?
0: Chris, that's a good question. I want you to – let's start about – guy or girl wants to get into their first duck call or they want to start getting more proficient at it um, in an age of content available everywhere youtube social media on you know streaming it whatever you do start us off chris how do we pick a duck call Uh, do we depend on customer service do we just go into a catalog and pick the prettiest one do we go with our favorite color how do we pick a duck call chris cifrio picking a duck call
2: if I'll, how i I'll kind of look at it is is that you need to pick one out that basically fits you in other words when you pick up a call of course if you ain't never blown a call before okay you want to pick up a call that's like a timber call you know something that has a smaller bore more back pressure to it it's going to give you more forgiveness of course and then once you get forgiveness into the call you're going to start getting some uh Uh, you'll start getting to where you're confident in the call by having that forgiveness, by having it to where the forgiveness will give you a better feed, a a good quack, a good hail call and so forth. But, but the main thing is, is I tell everybody is, is, you know, and we've said this a hundred times, definition of sanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Don't do the same thing over and over again. You can tell a lot of people say, Hey, look, I can't tell if I'm blowing right or wrong, but you can, vocally unless you're just deaf in an ear of course and there's some people that are uh you can tell when it comes out of the end of a call if it sounds you know somewhat like a duck and so i tell everybody for one thing you know find a call that's a good call as far as like a timber call that's got good back pressure second thing is 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 you want to make sure to practice basically good you know good notes you know find the quack first find the feed call you know, start off with a fee call and a quack. Get that down 100%. And then you can move on to cadences. And the third thing is, is basically trying to make sure that you don't sound like a rubber band. And a rubber band is, is basically when you take a rubber band and you pull it back and you flick it, it bounces back, bounces back. You don't want to have, you want to have a fluent cadence when you start your cadences. You want to have it to where it's one note behind each other. Just like he was to play a saxophone or a flute or whatever, you want those notes right behind each other. Uh, you know, you don't ever hear somebody playing a guitar and going rum rum and just stroking. They're right behind each other with that stroke. Uh, so, you know, finding finding a call that fits you, of course, mouthpiece and everything, good in your hand, it's comfortable in your hand, and then of course, try to pick out a timber call first. You can always be louder later on but try to pick out a timber call because that's going to have more back pressure to it and more forgiveness in order to make you a better caller
0: and be more confident. And, and another thing I'll add on top of that, Skip Knowles is, The customer service and the dependability and reputation of so many great call makers across the country you showcase so many of the greatest brands in the history of the industry in the new wildfowl gear issue you have rick dunn and echo john stevens and jim Ronquest and rusty over at the over at the rich and tone shop you have brad allen in the echo shop you have duck commander you have fred Zink, bill saunders you have hayes calls you have pacific calls um there's so many choices out there Great call manufacturers, guys and girls that take so much passion and pride in what they're producing with the materials, the tuning. Do some research. Do some due diligence. Word of mouth. Find out who's using what, why they like it, what they're looking for, and then call the shops. Talk to these guys that are making the calls. Get their advice on what is it that you want, a double read, a single read, a longer read or a shorter read? Uh, Do you want a call that has a longer barrel on it or a shorter barrel on it? Do you want a cut-down style call for the timber? There's so many choices. It's an education process, and I think that's why it becomes a collector's deal. Guys and girls alike love to collect duck calls because one, they're beautiful. Two, they are collector's item. And three, you can get a different sound out of most of them. And you're going to find that one go-to or those two go-to duck and goose calls, spec calls, snow calls, Canada goose calls that you're going to consistently hang on your loops on your lanyard and use it during the duck season and that's what it takes is it's going to be trial and error it might take you four or five manufacturers until you find that call that just fits you perfectly both in your hand your lips your mouth cavity everything your air presentation but i would do my due diligence and get just start calling around call people that have been in this game for a while and pick their brain on what it takes to become a proficient duck, proficient duck or goose caller because i'm going to tell you right now it's not easy It is not one bit easy. It takes a lot of continuous and consistent practice efforts and sessions with the right mentality and the right form and the right mechanics. So, you know, picking a call, it's very important. And, you know, this magazine right here, the gear issue, it goes through and gives you very good descriptions of call makers, their stories, and certain calls that are in their repertoire, in their offering for the 2021-22 season. I myself, I did it that way. I, I used to call Phil Robertson like it was going out of style. I used to call Fred Zink to where when caller ID came about, I've noticed that Fred wasn't answering my calls as much. And Don would be like, it's that weird dude from the desert in Nevada. And then I'd call Tim Grounds and ask Tim, how do I blow this note? And, hey, bub, what are you doing? He'd be smoking a cigarette, tuning a super, super, a super magnum or something. And he would sit there and listen to me for an hour. He would listen to me. Now you can go on and watch videos of Tim and Fred and Phil Robertson or Jace Robertson or Chris Cifrio all over YouTube and all over the internet. And then if you need to, you can contact them through social media means or through their website or through their phone number at the shop. It's, it's a working man's, working woman's game. If you want to get better, you have to work at it and you have to do it persistently. So anyway, Skip, that's, I know it's, it sounds like a science. I truly believe that it is. And it takes a lot of practice to become proficient at it.
1: It takes not having small children at home. <laughs> I guess it does. It before I don't think we mentioned this last year. Gosh, what is this our thirteenth podcast for the Gear Issue um, in combination with last year? And just so everyone knows, we're going to air the ones from last year again on the Wildfowl site and through all the usual podcast venues. But um, I don't know where I was going with that. I wanted to mention. Oh yeah, there's a bunch of great stuff on the Jargon site. Um, some twelve or thirteen uh, little video vignettes about how to do a flat quack. And I hadn't really thought of that as a thing. And it was all very educational. It's a good place to start. Even though, like you said, we are inundated with tons of information these days from YouTube and everything, but you guys did a good job on that. It's succinct.
0: I appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of manufacturers out there that are, that are putting the time in to content and instruction. It's so important for these manufacturers, to develop credibility and trust within the market space, right? To, to get that consumer to say, whoa, I'm not only getting a duck call, but look at all of this that I can go and learn with it used to be to where you buy a cassette tape of Tim grounds mechanics or the art of commanding ducks with Phil Robertson. And you have to have a VHS player. Now you can put on a podcast. You know, we do so many on the foul life podcast jargon edition that you can just put on a 90 minute podcast and get some hinge. It might only, you might pick up one thing out of it, but it doesn't take anything to find the content. You just got to search it out.
1: I liked your idea about talking to guys though, like Ron plus Quest and people who have just been there and done it so much. And, they can they can listen to you, maybe even the sound of your voice, and figure out what a good starting point, you
0: know. Yeah, I think I think that you know Chris has done this so many times. I, I was uh who was I talking with the other day? I was talking with uh oh man, you guys don't quote me on this, but I was talking with somebody about practicing certain parts of the hunt without the actual tool I got to remember what it was but you know Chris and I talk about walking around and practicing this air presentation skip and making the sounds and Chris does it all the time I hear him walking around and my my friends or my daughter catches me I'm just walking around going mur, 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 mur. Mur, 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 mur. And I don't even have a call anywhere within my reach, but my, my, my abdomen's right. My, my, uh, my diaphragm is pressurized. My lungs are being used to bring that hot pressurized air from my diaphragm, right? It's like you have a mouth. Your around your stomach and inside that mouth is a diaphragm. It's like a pump. And when you close that mouth, it bites down on that pump and it sends like the hot air that would, or the pressurized air that would be in a bike pump back when we were kids sends it up through the lungs into the throat where it meets the larynx. The larynx is the muscle that heats up that air, right? That's what you would we breathe to clean your sunglasses or, or steam up your mom's window to write your name in it or something else when you're a kid on a cold day. So it's you got that hot pressurized air coming up and then you can get the cadences down by meh, 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 meh Changing the shape of your tongue and the fatty tissues in your mouth, you can change the tone and the pitch of those hen mallards, and then you can tighten your diaphragm a little bit more and get that chatter, that and you can walk around practicing that. So when you do grab a call, you just naturally put it to your mouth. <laughs> And you just, you, you practice that without a call and then it becomes more recognizable when you do put the call and you're presenting that hot pressurized air into that duck call body and you're operating it. You're not blowing into the call. Chris, talk on that, please, that you're actually, you're not blowing air into a call per se, like you would be blowing out your candles on a birthday cake.
2: No, you're not blowing straight cold air. That's the biggest thing is it's fogging on the window. You know, you have to be fogging a window. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you could take a call and just blow into it and get rattle and rasp and so forth. But in order to get voice out of a call and to sound basically ducky, uh, you have to be blowing hot hot air. Now, there's certain calls in the market. That's what a double read is designed for, is to be able to blow. For guys that don't know how to blow hot air, you can take a double read and pick it up and be blowing, just, just blowing the call. And, and getting a good, you know, rasp and quack and sounding, you know, like a duck. I mean, there's, we have our double like I said, you can just take it and put it to your mouth and it sounds like a duck. But in order to get, that's just one, it's like a monotone. There's just one duck per se out of that call. You can manipulate it a little bit to get other ducks, but it's it's mostly just one duck. But you take a single reed and a single reed call, you got to put voice into it and, uh, you know, fog in a window and you can get six, seven, eight ducks out of it if it's tuned right, of course. And so, you know, by your, a single read will basically make you uh, proficient on a duck call very quickly. And the reason why is because there's a borderline of, of having too much hold or too less of hold. And if a call is tuned right, which most calls in the market are, when you blow into that call, if you don't open your throat, that call is going to lock down. And so in order to get that call going and get it ripping, you got to open that throat and be fogging that window constantly, blowing that hot air <laughs> over and over again. And I've always told people, and I helped a guy out the other day. He called and he's like, man, I just can't. I can't figure out how to open my throat. I was like, can you whistle? And he said, yeah, I can whistle. I said, we'll start by whistling into the call, but take away the actual sharp whistle. And so when I blow into a call, I'm in oot, oot, oot. But I'm taking the word away. So I'm going, <laughs> and if you listen to me, I can actually incorporate a whistle in there and then take it away. <laughs> and so if you can just do a little short whistle, not taking and rearing back and putting your hands in your mouth or anything like that, but if you can just whistle, that's the same air that you using to to blow a duck call believe it or not but that's where it's coming from your diaphragm to whistle now some people whenever they blow a whistle they just kind of go and that's cold air but if you're actually taking and blowing a whistle like normal you know most everybody does that's basically blowing hot air and so that's a starting point to get it to where you're fogging a window and blowing correctly into a single read. You know, the hardest thing to do is to accomplish a single read. But once you get a single read down, it's like getting on a bike and riding the bike and riding without training wheels. You'll never forget how to do it. It'll be just come back to you. Second nature.
0: So with that being said, Chris, would you tell a beginner duck call? um, The audio is going. With that being said, Chris, would you tell a beginning duck caller to, forego the double read because it is less forgiving. Uh, I mean, it is more forgiving. It's, It's not as ducky. It's not as versatile. But it's a lot easier for most people in their head to go, oh, I sound like a duck and I'm not making the mistakes because the single read is a tougher call to master and pick up and do it. But if you're going to do it, you might as well start with a single read and develop those good habits to where you don't develop double read habits and then try to transition into a single read later. Because sooner or later, the duck hunter in all of us is going to want to sound more and more like a hen mallard. And you have to have a single read to achieve that, in my opinion. Does that sound fair to say?
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, I have so many people that sit there and they call me and I say, hey, look, you know, tell me what call I should ha- what call I should select from which I'll offer. And I say, okay, well, do you blow a double read or do you blow a single read? And they're like, well, I blow both. And it startles me and it kind of just throws me off because I'm like, okay, well, me, I'll never call a place. If I wasn't building duck calls, I'll never call a place and say, hey, look, you know, uh, if they ask me the question, I'm not going to say, hey, look, i blow both. I'm going to say a single read if I'm a proficient on a call. Now, if you can really, really blow a duck call and you're proficient on it, you should want to blow a single read because of how many ducks you can get out of it. If you're blowing a double and a single, it tells me that not that you're not a good on a call, tells me that you haven't learned the art of it completely yet. Cause once you do, you're going to want to blow a single no matter what most all guys, all you competitions. Now there's been some competitions that have been one on double read, but most all competitions are going to be one off a single read just because of the versatility of the duck call itself. But I'm going to tell people that hey, look, when they do call, you know, do you are you going to be hunting just on the weekends? You're you know just basically a weekend warrior, You're going to just want to have something to put on your lanyard and be able to call ducks and sound decent on the duck call. I'm going to sell them a, a dub read, and and the reason why is because it's, to me there's certain people that take it to the extreme, and there's certain people. That say, hey, look, I love duck hunting, and they have a passion for it, but they're just not really excited about calling, and that's fine. But if you are one of those guys, yeah, you probably need to be blowing a double because when you do pick it up, when you hadn't practiced, you're going to sound decent on it. You're going to sound good on it, and you can be able to call ducks. But if you are a guy that does take it to the extreme, you're going to want to sing a read. You're going to want to call that you can basically just rip on it and lean on it and get all kinds of different ducks. But again, a double read is forgiveness. It's going to have a lot more forgiveness. And the reason why it has forgiveness is because two reads together like that is basically like having 24 oh, thousandths of reads. We use two, uh, well, two tens. We use two ten thousandths reads, so it'll be 20 thousandths of read. And what that does is, instead of having a 10,000s reed where that reed can come down and slap against the tone board and airlock or lock down, 20,000s reeds are going to hold it more rigid. So when it slaps against that tone board, you're going to have a lot more pressure to be able to blow and really, really lean on it. So guys that can't control their air, they're going to want to blow because a lot of guys that are blowing double reeds are going to grunt into a call. And the more you grunt in a call, the more tendency you are to spit in it, airlock it, so forth. So that extra read is going to give it the backbone, in order for that call not to stick, and so and 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 sound decent. You know, guys that pick up double reads, you got to start using double reads. Nine times out of ten, the worst habit that I have to break them of is grunting. They'll grunt into the call, and the reason why is because a double <laughs> read is somewhat flat. Until you basically blow cold or grunt into a call. And when you grunt into it, it's going to basically make it to where you just, you can't break that habit. It's hard to break that habit. So I always tell people, hey, if you're really serious, you're an extremist, you love duck hunting, pick up a single reed, learn the single reed. You know, um, there's all kinds of things I could say as far as on fishing. If you're going to be, if you're, if you're really, really serious about fishing, don't pick up a Zepco and start fishing with a Zebco to push the button and just throw it and release the button, you know? Pick up a, a bait casting reel to where you can you have so much versatility. You can flip with it. You can pitch with it. You can, you know, skip docks, all that stuff. It's the same thing with bass fishing. If you're serious about it, get a single read. Skip,
0: does that all make sense?
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, you guys had a lot of great points there. And I had, I blew double reads forever, not really realizing what I was missing. It, it brings up another point, though. I uh, wanted to raise last year that we didn't. Um, I, I'm pretty terrible at, at uh, tuning calls, especially goose calls. <laughs> I'm known to take them apart, screw around with them, and uh, have them squeaking short out on me now, worse than when I started. I was wondering if you guys, I was, you guys got me thinking about this with single and double reads. It seems like a double read would, um, be harder to tune because you get twice as many reads in there. But I've also had some old double reads that almost never need tuning. Um, and I've had some new single reads that, that would stick pretty bad. Um, how do you learn to, to tune calls?
2: I could write a book on that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> where do you yeah. start? Because oh, I, right. I got buddies, who will take them all apart and they'll trim the read and do all this stuff. And I don't really know what they're doing and I wanna learn more about it. Um, I don't know where so, do you get- Let's start right here. If you got a
2: call that's basically, you know, a good call and it's sounded, it's been sounding good the whole time, um, you ain't had no problems with it. But all of a sudden, one day it starts locking on you, you know, it starts sticking on you. There's mm-hmm. a difference between airlock and there's a difference between sticking. Mm-hmm. So airlock is basically when when you're just blowing into a call and and you're opening your throat and then it just locks down. What happens is 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 there's not enough pressure on that reed to hold that reed up. Okay. So it'll start airlocking on you. And the way to fix that is that's what we call a call getting flat. When a call becomes flat, there's no body to it. It doesn't sound like raspy on the top end. Instead of being like wham 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 wham, it's more like dee, 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 dee. so that's like a flat call, right? So a flat call, what you want to do. The easiest solution to it and most fixes at most times is to put a new cork in it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, some calls have Santoprene wedge. Some calls have cork. We use all cork in our single reads. Um, we don't make any double read J frame. So right now, but we would use probably a Santoprene on that. But that being said, Santoprene is going to, it's going to take a lot longer for it to wear out than a cork. The reason why a cork wears out so quickly is because you got hot and cold Constantly, we're going in outside to the heat, I mean to the cold, and coming back inside and leaving our calls in the heat. In cork, what will happen is it will dry out. By going out in the moisture and then coming back in and it drying it out, it's going to slowly shrink that cork down. And so I change my cork on my J-frame calls probably once, maybe every two weeks, believe it or not.
0: Uh, Depends
2: on how much you blow Depends on how work is cheap, you know? And so it depends on how much you, you, you blow. But at the end of the day, I re- I want my call crisp and I want my call to where I'm not going to have a chance of airlocking and have a chance of sticking it or anything else. But uh, going back to your question as far as on knowing how to tune a call, I really don't recommend anybody sanding on a tone board, but over time, especially a J frame, if you blow it day in and day out, day in and day out, what will happen is you'll start to get buildup on that board. And buildup could be Dr. Pepper. It could be coffee with sugar in it. It could be snacks, uh, chewing tobacco, the back, a dip, whatever it might be. And it'll get on that board. And what it normally does is is it gets right there in front of the drill hole towards the end of the, the, of the tone board. And it'll start building up. That's where a call will start airlocking. So if somebody wants to touch it, but again, I don't recommend it. I recommend you get into the manufacturer and let them do it. But if you want to touch it, 220 grit, fine sandpaper. And I mean, all you do is, is take the, the tone board down and you, you just roll it on the end. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to go from the drill hole to the end of the tone board. And all you're doing is, is you're, you're opening that up just a little more. And that will bring a call. And actually, that's what opens up a call. All of our J-frames, when I tune them, other than our small talk and loud mouth, because it's a totally different design. But the way I do it is is I just, I just open that end up. And that's going to allow that air to get underneath it just a little more. Um, but as far as touching anything, anything in the back of the board, you know, good soap and water with a toothbrush, and, and good warm water and just clean it real good and nine times out of ten that's going to clean up that tone board good enough to where you can go ahead and put a new cork and read in it and, and run with it a lot of times too, calls will get out of tune by the reed. guys that lean on a call the reed will start delaminating and when it starts delaminating you got to remember that's that much body that's gone you know, it's like a, say like a broomstick, right? A broomstick. If you start shaving that broomstick down, and you split it in the middle of it, right? What happened is it won't be nearly as as you know strong as it was before, and that's the same thing with a reed. A reed will start losing its rigidity and its its you know uh, uh, strength by it delaminating. So, changing your reed out is a good thing to do. You know. Once a year, once every two years, so forth. All depends on how much you blow a call. So uh, hopefully that answers your question a little bit. But um, but tuning a call, the biggest thing, like I said, is 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 change the cork out. You know, change the cork out. The double read nine times out of ten, you'll never have to ch- change the actual double, the dimple read. But you'll have to change the first read on the board.
0: If you think about um, if you think about wine and you know, vino vineyards and wine bottles with cork in them, you you don't you know stand a bottle of wine up with a cork you don't just leave it standing up to where there's no moisture hitting that reed at all the time or that cork at all times so when you lay it down that moisture flows down the bottle into the neck and it that's up against that reed keeping it moist if you stand it up or you open a bottle of wine and put the cork back into it and it dries out what happens it starts to get brittle it starts to break it starts to dry out the wine it allows air to leak into that wine bottle ruining the the wine and the taste and the, the performance of the wine right so that's the same thing you you hammer on a call all morning in the woods or in the marsh or wherever you're at and then you let it dry out and don't open it and don't take it out and and take care of that call that that cork is going to dry out and over time after three or four good days of hammering on it it's going to dry out to the point to where it does not perform anymore for what you're trying to get out of the sound of that duck call so i compare it to wine because you have to keep that that cork moist and in good condition for it to keep its performance
1: maybe that's a a great point uh, that's a good uh, subject to bring up real quick, man. Um, we tend to just throw our lanyards around, leave them in the truck, hanging in front of a, a windshield, you know, which is like an oven, right? And because uh, we all want to practice in our car when we're driving and stuck in traffic, get those weird looks from the, from the police. Um, well, give, give us some advice on, on storing calls between the hunts. Uh, blind bag, is that going to maintain a little moisture in there? Um, what do you guys do with your calls?
0: I, myself if i'm no when i oh sorry go ahead ahead. chris no go ahead go ahead i i you know if i have first off do you have do you double loop your calls chris you loop the the insert and the barrel to where if it does come apart during the hunt one doesn't fall into the water and you got to wait for the water to come off the woods to go back and look for it on your hands and knees and if you do have a double loop a lot of times I'll take it and take it apart and let it hang for a couple hours and let it dry out, you know, naturally. Um, especially like with a wooden call, because when you're blowing a wooden duck call and you leave it put together all night, it's almost impossible for it to get it taken apart. If you do need to retune it or get some some mm-hmm. pop tarts out from underneath that reed in between the reed and the tone board. So I like to take mine apart, let them dry out naturally, maybe take a paper towel and run it through there. And then, I'll, you know, if we're going to change out the cork, we put a new cork in that day, practice on it a little bit and then let it hang for the rest of the night. But I think separating the insert from the barrel is key. Right, Chris?
2: Yes, absolutely. You know, I've, I have so many guys, you know, brings up a point. I have so many guys that basically call and they're like, hey, look, I lost my insert. Our inserts are friction fit. You know, basically, when you take it and you push it in, I always tell people when you grab your call and you go to basically, you know, you just took your insert out and you want to put it back in your barrel, take the end of your thing and just push it in there. You're not going to hurt the call by doing that and making sure that it's not going anywhere. You can't pull it apart. The way you get a friction fit call apart is, is not to pull on it like this. It's to actual act like you're doing a stick, mm. and break it. But you don't force it, of course. But you take it and just wiggle it back and forth, and it'll come. It normally nine times out of ten, it's going to come apart every single time. If you do, can't get it apart for some unknown reason, especially wood call, put it in the freezer. If it doesn't come apart, then you just hey look, you just out of luck. It ain't <laughs> you. You're just not going to get that call apart probably, or send it back to the manufacturer, and they'll probably get it a call apart for you. But, but I, I, storing the calls, the main thing I tell everybody is is don't leave your calls sitting in the rearview mirror of your truck. And All the right. reason why is One because if, if I take a sheet of mylar and I take a sheet of mylar and I go, I, I roll it up. And I put it in the shop and I just try to leave it flat. And that's how our mylar comes in. It comes in a roll. So I have to leave that Mylor indoors, okay, on a flat surface for at least two months, maybe even three, to get that sheet flat to where I can start cutting reeds out of it. Mm -hmm. That's why they always tell you when you grab a reed, you know, there should always be a bow in the reed when you grab it and put it between your fingers, and the reason why is because the mylar is rolled on a roll. So you always grab it, find the bend and the bend goes up on the tone board. But you take that mylar and you put it outside and put it on a flat surface. And within a day, I guarantee you it'll probably be flat, but it'll be cooked too. And it will probably be ruined. It'll, it'll get the glue and ruin the glue in the actual mylar. So, What's going to happen to your call in a truck? You're going to basically take that reed and damage that reed in that call. You're not going to damage the acrylic, but you're going to damage the reed, and it's going to take that reed. And again, you got pressure on a cork onto that reed, and so that that pressure pushing down on it could take that reed and flare it up and make it bowed up and so forth. So uh and also drying out your cork like chad said you know bottle wine you don't leave a bottle wine sitting straight up you know some people i'm sure do on accident but you lay it down to keep that moisture in it so leaving your calls in the trucks the worst thing you can possibly do now during the hunt season when it's cool and you know you know it's 40 degrees outside 30 degrees 10 degrees whatever you're not going to have no problem that's fine Mm. but summertime Keep it indoors, keep it in your house, keep it in your pocket. That's why we have these little bags. You know, you can put your call in your pocket and and not have no uh, pocket lint or anything getting in your call. That's why these were basically designed back in the day whenever people were b- blowing competitions. They put their call in here to prevent anything from in your pocket getting into the reed and airlocking there, locking it down. So uh, you want to take care of it. It's an investment. You're paying you know $100 plus for a duck call. You know, you wouldn't leave your shotgun in your truck the whole summer. Take it in. Keep care of it. Keep you know, keep it conditioned and so forth. So, um, but that's where that's where I would store store my call is in, indoors. Unless it's unless it's wintertime and you're duck hunting, you're out and about, and you can be blowing that call day, day in and day out. You know, uh you can keep it in your truck, wherever, blind bag, or whatever. But on a wooden call, you definitely want to take it apart after the hunt and let that that moisture just kind of get out of it. You know, and slowly release off of it. So.
1: So, much, so much good info. I found out how much I've been doing wrong. I never took my uh, calls apart as soon as I got home, like you're talking about, Chad, and it totally makes sense listening to this conversation. Um, yeah, it's good stuff. A lot of good stuff there, guys.
2: Yeah, I yeah. Think a so. good, you know, believe it or not, uh a good call is gonna be like I said, borderline of airlock and borderline of of sticking. Uh I like a lot of hold in my calls. So I put a lot of hold on my calls. But hold is not per se forgiveness. Hold is ease of blowing, but hold will make it basically have it to where you'll start getting those water lines on your call because your hold is coming right here. That breeze holding down, right? So what will happen is a lot of guys, they'll be blowing. They're blowing all morning long, all morning long. And then they put their call down. And it's 10 degrees, 20 degrees outside, and they pick it up, and it beep. And yeah. it's just that moisture that was in between the reed that just froze. There's not a, a duck call out there that if you put saliva on, on the board, that when you pick it up, after not blowing it for 15, 20 minutes in 10-degree weather, is not going to lock up. But That's as soon pretty- as you blow in your hot air, your hot air will break it over, and it ought to perform. But if you ever have a problem with, say, a J-frame, of course— of it, you know, getting that saliva line on it, and you'll see it. It'll be like a water bead line on your reed, right, right up in front of your court. The best thing to do is, and I've heard people say take dollar bills and and all kinds of stuff, but I, I find the best thing to do is to take your reed and just barely pull it down, and you take your two fingers, your your pointer finger and your thumb, and you make a seal, and you're still holding the reed like that, and you just take your hand and go your mouth and blow into it. And what'll happen is, is water will exit right there in the front of the cork mm. and get out of there. And then, you know, most all my guys that are blowing J frames, you know, in the hun- and I'll, I'll see them. And every once in a while, they're, they're taking every and blowing it out. Mm. And that's not because it's not a good duck call. It's because they're blowing all morning long and you're going to put saliva on that board, you know, Again, a call that is professionally tuned and a call that is perfect, in my opinion, is borderline. I explained it to one of my buddies the other day. It's like sitting on the edge of a cliff. You lean forward, you're going to fall off. You know, you ride right on top of that, that cliff like this, and backwards and front, you can fall off. So if you just sit on the side you just hold it steady, that's exactly what a read, uh, a duck call should be. It should be borderline having too much hold, and it should have borderline too much back pressure. And, and that makes a good duck call. But you're going to have to maintain it. And you're going to have to maintain it in the field if you want it to be, you know, performing to the perfect thing. You can't swing a golf club and pick up a chunk of grass and leave the mud on it and expect to go hit the ball the next next round and have backspin on it, right? I'm uh, not going to do it. So – it, you got to keep care of your stuff. You got to take care of it, you got to maintain it in order for it to perform
0: the best. Chris, we have about 10 minutes left in the podcast right here at the Wildfowl magazine, 2021 giant gear issue podcast series when the foul life, why don't you talk to us a little bit about now we got the call. We understand the cork, the construction of the call, the maintenance of the call. What do we do to get that first, little bit of duck do we start with a quack do we start with a cadence and a greeter i'm going to start you off by saying i kind of like punch you in the gut and i knock the air out of you and you're trying to tell me a secret or you're trying to tell skip that you want one of those badass hats he's got on skip i I can't i need that i need that man 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 skip I, can not I get, I don't, yeah. so take it from there, Chris, that your air's out of you. You're pressurized. You're trying to tell me or skip a secret about his awesome wildfowl hat that you want one and that you're going to send him your address, but you don't have any air in your diaphragm. Take that and run it into how we control a duck call off of that. There's our hatch right there, Chris. How, how do we run a duck call, Chris, off of that analogy of getting all the air knocked out of us with a punch to the gut? Yeah, so
2: that's exactly what you do. You want to fog a window. You want hot air. It's like you're you getting punched in the gut. Like you blowing that those candles out. Like you said, you and blow the candles out. Take a sheet of paper. You you took a sheet of paper and put it on the surface and and blew underneath it. If you blow it, it's gonna blow away. But if you if you pop the air, and by just fogging a window, you'll pick that sheet up and it'll fall back down. Pick it up, it'll fall back down. It's a great analogy that you had as far as on that. So by doing that, the one thing you don't want to do is you don't want to peck. You don't want to take a call and just go. (laughs) Because what will happen is, is you'll be just, you'll be cutting quacks off, cutting quacks off. I tell everybody that when you're learning a quack, extend that quack out as, as long as you can. As long as you can extend that quack out. And then you can slowly start shortening it up. But what you're doing is, is you're holding that air. If you're running out of air, then you're blowing totally wrong because you ought to be able to hold a quack, just a long drawn out quack if you're presenting the right air into the call. So again, you're fogging a window. I say oot, I don't know what you say. A lot of people say hut, uh, but there's all kinds of different words that they say into a call, but you got to start out giving somebody, hey, what should I say into the call? So I say, hey, hut into the car or oot. And I act like I'm whistling. So, and I take my whistle away. So it's pressurized air. And I don't know if you can hear a quack, but can you hear that? Yep. Yep. Sounds good. Okay. So that's a quack, extending a quack out. Don't try to perfect it. Don't try to get your quack, a fine, a coarse, a raspy. Just throw a quack out. And then you could shorten that quack up. <coughs> then you can start perfecting that quack. Get that quack perfect. That's the first call. You can go out and kill duck quack all day long. I did yeah. it back in the 90s. I, I'd go out, I had a drake whistle and a quack. And that's the only thing they'd respond off of, was a drake whistle and a quack. Nothing else. If I did a cadence, they would, they would flare. But I would literally just sit there and go, and then hit a drake whistle. Quack, quack, But that being said, the quack is the stepping stone. It is, everything is based off of a quack. Your feed call, everything, your hail call, your greeting call, all that stuff is off of a quack. So taking and blowing hot air, saying an oot, and like whistling, I'm going to blow in the back of the call. And I can't whistle when my lip's not closed, but I'll do it away from the call. And I take the whistle away and trying to get voice out of call. Again, you don't want to sound like a rubber band. You don't want to bounce it. Okay. So bouncing is that's a rubber band, bounce it back and forth, bounce it back and forth. You want to be fluent. It needs to be a fluent motion. Just like you swing in a golf club, you swing in a baseball bat, you want a fluent air coming out of there. And you can start perfecting that quack. I always tell people, put your call down. The best thing to do to where you don't get that insanity going uh, and, and, you know, being insane and doing the same thing over and over again is to put your call down and then pick it up. Put it down. Pick it up. Over and over again. And what will happen is you won't sit there and be just trying to, you know, blowing the call and trying different things or doing the same thing over and over again. Because that's what I see a lot of people do. They'll do the same thing when I'm like, hey, try something different, you know. So, again, with my ear, I can tell when I'm doing it right and when I'm doing it wrong. And so all I'm listening for is I'm listening for like that mallard hen on the water. She sits there and goes, "Whack, wah, wah. Wah, wah, <coughs> wah. And all I'm doing is I'm keeping an open throat. I'm fogging a window. I'm like I'm whistling into a call, but I'm not. I'm saying oot. I'm taking the word away. I know that's a lot of information right there. But if you're fogging a window, and Mm -hmm. I feel like, and I tell this all the time, I feel like the air is coming from underneath, like it's coming underneath my jaw instead of over the top. Over the top would just be cold air. (laughs) But it's like I'm I'm lifting air up. And mouth position has a lot to do with it want to take your sit there and put your call up to your mouth and put your lips together as tight as you can because what that's going to do is going to make a pet <laughs> so you want to open your mouth and let that air come out like you're fogging a window like you're blowing out candles you wouldn't pinch your lips down to blow out candles you would want to blow fluid air <laughs> so again but the quack is the basis of getting started on how to blow, learn how to blow a duck call. You know, from there I'd say, hey, you know, you need to go ahead and start piddling around with a fee call just because the feed's probably the hardest to get down because it's a tongue twister. But a fee call is is basically the same way you're going K-k-k-k-k-k-k-k-k. but it's hot air. A lot of people say, ticka, 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 ticka. And what ticka does is ticka leaves out the voice. It's more of a peck. Versus if you hear the voice come out. by kick And again, a call has to be tuned right. I, I Whenever I was first starting to blow dough calls, until I got me a good one, Uh, I was like, man, it's so hard to get a fee call now. Golly. And uh, I'm like, man, it's just a tongue twister. I can't get my tongue in rhythm, but it it wasn't so much me as it was the call. The call was just not tuned right. It was, you got to have, again, it's like that cliff. You have too much, too little. You got to be right there in that happy medium range. So, um, I don't know if that answers your question, Chad, and gets you started, and gets other people started on, on blowing a duck all, But, uh, and I don't know how much time we got left. But that's basically what you got to do. As far as if you're just starting, just starting out, or you want to get better, or you're blowing wrong and you want to start blowing the right way, that's what you need to start doing. You need to start fogging a window, getting your quack perfected. And once you get that quack perfected, I'm telling you, everything else slowly after that just comes perfectly smoothly along because you've already built that foundation. And so once you build that foundation, everything else just falls in place round top each other.
0: Yeah, I think that if people have a clear understanding of how diverse the vocabulary is. Now, the the vocabulary of a Canada goose, which we're going to get into in a later podcast with Fred Zink for Wildfowl Magazine gear issue is way more complex than a mallard duck. Now, a mallard duck's vocabulary is not like the English language. A lot of people will think that, man, English is so much easier than Spanish or Italian or something. That's because we're here. And We could, you know, use, go learn Italian, whether whether it's through school or an online deal. But people will tell you that learning the English language is difficult, difficult with all of the different adjectives and verbs and pronouns and, you know, everything that goes into the language. It's very difficult. Double meaning of words that are spelled the exact same. A duck's vocabulary is very little. You got the greeter. You have the separator or the quack or the chatter, which can be called a feeding chatter or the separator call because they're separating from each other. You have a comeback call, okay? And you have really the lonesome hen quack. You got greeters, bah, 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 the quack, meh, meh. the quack the separator or chatter and then you have the comeback call where you stand on that first note maybe and try to get that lead duck to react that's about it but then you start adding in all the different tongue positions mouth cavities your throat closed a little bit open a little bit more piercing your lips a little bit tighter putting your hand for back pressure in different positions you can get a lot of different a lot of different hen mallards talking Mark, 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 Chris, you go through it with all of your four ducks, you know, your raspy and your boss and your young duck and all of that. It's a It's a vocabulary that is hard to master. It's very little. It's so not a lot to say, but it's how you say it with the volume, the intensity, the pitch, the tone, and all that that you can change from one duck to the next and have a whole bunch of different hen mallards in your arsenal, and your repertoire to emulate that decoy spread that you have on the water because you have more than one hen mallard down there, and she might be meh, 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 and then another hen over there. Meh, 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 you know. So I think that it's very it needs to be known that the vocabulary is small, but it's distinct because you can have all these different hen mallards saying different things at the same time. And that's what we're going to have Chris Cifrio take us out with, Skip, after you say any closing comments. I will, or let's, I'll let you do your closing comments after this, or Skip, not that I'm your boss. I'll let you say whatever you want whenever you want, Skip, Knowles, editor-in-chief of Wildfell Magazine. But I want Chris to do a little rendition. Chris, see the ducks, get their attention, lure them in, kind of get them, get them going a little bit. Get them going with a little bit of a chatter and some lonesome hints. Lose the ducks. Bring the ducks back. And then let my Benelli go to barking with some black cloud, if you don't mind. Chris Cifria. What call are you going to be using? What do you want me to use? Live duck. Uh, Live duck? This is the Jargon Live Duck. Again, so many great call manufacturers. You can't mess with John Stevens. Since he's bought Rich and Tone from Butch Rickenbach, the late, great, rest in peace, Mr. Butch. John Stevens is a genius of duck call designs from his customs to Rich and Tone. His team is amazing. They've proven it on Main Street and Stuttgart. Brad Allen, three-time world champion. Are you kidding me? Elite calls are badass. Fred Zink, one of the best all-around game callers on stage and in the field of all time. It's proven, not just my opinion. I've hunted with them a lot. I've seen him work ducks in geese, specs, Canada's. I've seen him on stage. The guy is amazing on flute, short-read goose calls, single-read duck. There's so many great call manufacturers out there. I forgot to mention Bill Saunders in the great Pacific Northwest. So many guys and girls do your due diligence. Choose the call that's right for you. We love jargon. We believe in it, but it's not, it's no better than any of the other ones out there. We just believe in the brand and Chris has mastered the art of designing and building a duck call. That's why we depend on them and believe on believe in them on in the field. But again, there's so many great ones that you can find right in the Wildfowl gear issue on newsstands now or in your mailbox. Go check it out. Chris, get their attention, bring them in, lure them in, get them excited, lose them, bring them back, feed chatter, and then lure them in with just some lonesome hint quacks, finishing them to the water, toenails down, let a couple land so Skip gets a couple on his strap. He likes to kill those ones (laughs) that are swimming around, and then we'll talk right after that. Go ahead, Chris Cifrio. Tell me if if I'm uh,
2: cutting out enough down. coming around the corner.
0: boys just get them get them get them I don't know how good you can hear that, get them but. boys get them that sounded beautiful it's a little bit cutting out but hey in today's age of of filming and, and recording audio we're doing what we can but again visualization go get your duck call right now go outside look up in the sky picture ducks look at a picture in the wildfowl magazine picture them what are they doing read them Find what they're saying, their posturing, their body language, their flight feathers, their tail feathers, their wingtips, their feet, their breasts, their neck. What are they doing? Learn to read that body language. This is an art that I feel is being lost in society and in our communities because it's so easy just to send a simple text message to tell your mom you love her or to tell Skip Knowles hello. Why not pick up the phone and call on these Zoom calls? It's great because we can read body language. We can see each other. The art of negotiation. Our former president, Donald Trump, wrote a book on the art of negotiation. How do you sit across the table and negotiate a billion dollar business deal or a multi million dollar deal or a five dollar deal? How do you tell the guy at the taco truck that you only got two bucks but you want a three dollar burrito? The art of negotiation. That is what we're doing with Mallard Ducks. We are negotiating with a wild animal, speaking their language, their jargon, if you will. We are speaking jargon on so many different levels so that and we are trying to master that vocabulary and that communication effort. And that's what in our society, we don't sit across the table anymore and talk. Very rarely you walk into a restaurant, Skip Knowles, and see somebody at a lunch table, all four of them, grown men and young teenagers, are on their phone checking out their IG or checking out their email or updating their uh their Tinder profile, if you will. I've never been on a dating site, Skip Knowles, and I'm sure you haven't either. Chris Cifrio, I promise you, has never been on a dating site. But a lot of people are. And it's crazy to me that we don't even talk when we're together barely anymore. We got to get back to conversing, communication, transparency, vocabulary, jargon, diction. How to put a little emphasis on it. Get your ass back here when your kid runs into the street. You can't text your kid when she's about to get hit by a bus. Learn how to talk again. That is what we're doing with Mallard Ducks, learning how to talk. We want everybody to learn how to speak duck, like the badass Will Primos taught us. The You know, he always talked about speaking the language. That's what we're doing, okay? The Art of Commanding Ducks, Phil Robertson and Warren Coco, the greatest duck hunting video of all time, Duckman of Louisiana. They absolutely manhandle Gadwalls and Mallards because they know the art of commanding ducks, Okay. Fred Zink talked about paralyzing ducks and geese, hitting that note, and just that hit, and they just shake all down into your decoys because they can't take it anymore. This is what we got to get back to. Let's all become proficient body readers, posture readers, and learn how to communicate with wild animals to lure them in with the skill set that we get a clean, ethical, harvestable shot, kill them dead in the decoys, put them on our strap, and then pluck them and put them on our Traeger, and then we get these little unbelievable morsels of protein from the wild duck with the skin and the fat on, of course, Chris, right? We always keep that skin and the fat on and get it charred up. Okay, Skip Knowles, closing words, 2021 wildfowl gear issue. The giant gear issue, the call section is right there for y'all watching on YouTube. Another unbelievable job by Skip Knowles and his team and crew at OSG and Intermedia Wildfowl Magazine gear issue. Thank you, Skip Knowles. Thank you, Chris Cifrio, co-founder and owner of Jargon Game Calls. You are the man. You're very good looking and handsome today, too, by the way, Chris. Yeah, hey, I was gonna say, I was gonna
2: say one more thing real quick. You know, every year we try to perfect and make things better. We don't ever leave nothing alone over here. That's the biggest thing about me is I can't leave a duck call alone and just continue on. I always try to make it better and better. The live duck now has a chopped off tone board. And what that does is, is that actually gives your fee call a little bit e- easier when your air hits this flat spot. It's going to pop that read up a little more. So that's changed. I've changed, modified just a little bit on the tone board. And one, the good thing about it is, is that on your feed call, it's really, really easy to feed. You're not going to have that one to lock down. And another thing too is, is we've, we basically changed the position of where the cork is. And what that done is, is it made it to where it's even more forgiving to where you're not gonna airlock it, you're not gonna lock it down, you're not gonna stick it, and so forth. You know, of course, all of them got spig grooves, but you wouldn't believe how much has changed the live duck to make it even better. Same thing on the chit-chat and the paradox is we changed on the board, uh, just a little bit on the board, and I've got one right here. But if you you'll notice it right off the bat, because the board's got a real hard taper on the front end of it. But what that done is, is again, made that air deflect, get underneath the reed. That duck call is already really forgiving, uh, but we've changed the position of the cork notch on it, too. Believe it or not, moving that cork notch backward and forwards it, uh, makes the call different. you got to find that sweet spot. And uh, so we moved it back just a little bit. It's not an unbelievable change, but you definitely can tell it once you pick one up. So, always trying to improve, always trying to make things better. We got some new, new things coming out. Uh, We'll be releasing pretty soon. Uh, I think everybody will be excited about. So, uh, we appreciate everybody's business and uh, hope everybody. If they have any questions or whatever, reach out to me. I'll try to answer as much as I can.
0: I love it, Chris Sifrio. Skip Knowles, take us out, brother.
1: My uh, friendship's going to require one of those calls if you want one of these hats, there, Christopher um no I, there's so much you know, around this thing I would just like to remind anybody who's who's getting into the sport maybe got into it last year during the pandemic or whatever the number one takeaway I take away from um all that great information information Chris and Chad threw out there is just that the quack kills more ducks than anything to master that quack I don't want people to hold that thought <laughs> and uh, also learn to go and you can drive people crazy in the duck mine. breaking their neck, looking around for that mallet. There you go. Yeah, that was pretty good. I
0: agree. Yeah. I agree. Skip, let's all go hunting together. We need to meet at the Jargon Duck call shop and get in Chris's boat and he'll take us to the secret spot. <laughs> we will blindfold you, put a paper bag over your head, and then duct tape it around so you can't pull it off. Chris has some unbelievable secret spots. We are not going to get in a boat race. We're not going to do any of that. We're going to go in there at about nine in the morning and kill him from 10 to noon. And then we're going to go eat lunch at the Sportsman's Hamburger Grill in Stuttgart, Arkansas. This has been another episode of the Foul Life Podcast, 2021, Wildfowl, Giant Gear Issue Podcast Series brought to you by our friends at Wildfowl Magazine. Thank you again to my co host, Skip Knowles, editor in chief of Wildfowl Magazine, and my partner at Jargon Game Calls, Chris cifrio Y'all stay tuned for another great episode. I think we got coming up next. I think we're doing Boats and Blinds with the great Kyle Broussard of Gator Tail down in Louisiana. He's probably cooking up a pot of gumbo right now. Tom Jake, hit that button. This song is called My Foul Life. The band is 2 a.m. Logic. Thank you, everybody.